Welcome to episode 15 of I Quit, the podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs about one of the scariest day of their lives, the day they quit their job. Activism is never easy. With every click of your keyboard or every time you form a word with your mouth, you put both your heart and career on the line. And when you work for yourself, that's even riskier. So for this episode, I wanted to bring in one of the most incredible activists that I know, Pam Rocker, and ask her about why she would ever quit her day job to take on the often daunting challenge of professional activism. Hi, Pam Rocker. Hi, Mike Morrison. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Um, When I was telling someone recently that you were going to be on the podcast, uh, I said, Pam Rocker, and they're like, is that her real name? And I said, I think it is. But then it seeded this seed of doubt in my head. Oh, that's true. A lot of people think it's a stage name or just kind of cool. It is my legit last name. That's awesome. It really is. Sometimes I've had to show people my license so that Uh. they believe me. But it it really is. Like, I I can never change it. Like, it's just good. Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel sort of blessed with a name that's meant to be in lights in a way, like a, a name that rolls off the tongue so easily. I, and I, I feel fortunate, like Mike Morrison, that alliteration kind of name, like yeah. it's a good. It's easy to remember. It's easy it to remember. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It feels like it, it doesn't feel fancy or necessarily famous, but it feels grounding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like rocker, it feels, it feels strong. And, you know, growing up, I never really... I never really thought of it that way because almost everybody around me had the same last name. Uh, you know how it is. It's called your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called, yeah, I was like, mom, dad, you too. Um, but at the same time, like, I think as I began to, you know, leave home and realize, oh, not everybody has this last name. Some people's last name, you know, aren't as interesting, yeah. I guess. Sorry, everybody. Um <laughs> And I was like, are people going to try to marry me just to get mine? Um, <laughs> That's complicated. Maybe they have. That's a lot of maybe pressure. Maybe they have, yeah. It's um, a lot of pressure. But yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice to have, you know, our names mean a lot. And so, and you know, Pam, Pamela is actually uh, from the Greek and it means all honey. Oh. Sweet, all honey. So, so whatever sweet, you want to yeah. do with that. I okay, know. great. Yeah. And welcome to our first episode of Describe Your Last Name. <laughs> That's our new podcast. I could do 20 more minutes. Right. <laughs> Excellent, Pam. Well, I want to have you here today. We know each other a lot through sort of our activism circles, but um, yeah. you're sort of making a living out of activism. Uh, and I found that I found that really interesting. And when I, when I think about you, when I think about what you're doing with your life and profession, it does seem you're, like you're sort of carving out your career as you go. So I, w- I really want to talk about that. On your website, I love that you describe yourself uh, as a writer, speaker, atypical activist, and gay. Yeah, the- <laughs> super gay. Super gay. You're right. You're yeah. right. Super gay. Uh, which one makes you the most money? Uh, I think none. You know, <laughs> I think they all have to go together, right? I yeah. think a lot of us who do sort of activism and advocacy work, especially if some of that is independent, you have to be multidisciplinary, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to sort of be, you know, like many people can't just, you know, be an actor. They also have to produce. They also have to do lots of other things. And so I think all of those things were really unplanned for me as I, you know, sort of began to think of what's most meaningful to me and what does the world need? And, you know, so I think out of writing and speaking and all of that stuff really evolved out of this sense, you know, I never would have, 
imagined 10 years ago, I, I came out 10 years ago mm-hmm. that, you know, this summer is my anniversary of coming out. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> what do I get? My 10 year pin. There Where you is it? Uh, you know, so I think I never would have imagined that somebody like me would exist mm-hmm. because I didn't even know that I could exist. Right? Wow. That's really, yeah. And so, however, I've sort of forged the different pieces of what I'm ending up doing now, you know, sometimes I look at it and it's it's still so miraculous to me, not only that I am alive and that I'm, you know, able to do some of these things, but that, that it's also so connected to an identity that uh, for so many years I wanted to eradicate for myself. Yeah. And that's something so many LGBTQ people, um, we spend so much time thinking about what our future is going to look like if we start living our true lives sort of thing. We probably never think about maybe I'll make money from it in a right. way. I'll be my profession in it in a way. Like that's something that's, you were, you said the word unplanned. And I think that's something both of our journeys have sort of been like that. Like I always say, like, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up because it didn't exist. Yeah. Like there's not, what I'm doing now didn't exist five years ago, let alone 10 years ago, whatever. So being gay, that sort of navigates my career a bit too. So it's an interesting path that we're on. And it, I think it disrupts the narrative that, having a marginalized identity is a deficit, right? Mm-hmm. And and often, yes, it, it's still, and you know this in your work too, it still is really, really difficult in a lot of spaces because often when I think about, especially working within faith communities, there's not very many that I could go and work at, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's not many that I could go and get married at or be baptized or take communion. Like it's it's less than 5%. Wow. And so, you know, still the world is precarious, but at the same time, I have to, you know, I always say the best activists have anger in one hand and gratitude in the other because I am really angry that still the world is so narrow for me and also way more narrow for people who have uh, lots more intersecting marginalized identities. And at the same time, I have so much gratitude because number one, I have to, to survive. We mm-hmm. have to have hope. And number two, there's so much to be grateful for. There are people 10, 20 years ago who forged this path for me. And even though I'm forging forward in a lot of ways, in a way that I feel alone a lot of the time, to be honest, at the same time, you know, I, I owe a lot to people who, who had to risk way more mm-hmm. and had way more at stake in a lot of different ways. And so I tried to hold that at the same time. Otherwise, you just get angry and bitter and you're not able to see any of the progress. That's something maybe a lot of entrepreneurs or people thinking about being entrepreneurs might not actually sort of think about is that that how much value everything you just described about your job. Like that's not something that people, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are grateful to be successful and to be, you know, working in their dream jobs. But all those, what it means and all the work that other people put in to the world so that you can have this job in the first place is fascinating. I hadn't thought of it like that. So describe for people what, what you do right now, like what, what puts food on your table and a roof over your head? Yeah. So I run an initiative called affirming connections and basically a couple of years ago, I, you know, I was at Hillhurst United here in Calgary, and it's a great affirming church here. But I felt like I really wanted to be of service and expand outside of just one location. And so I made a proposal to a regional body in the, the United Church here. And I said, you know, uh, I know that we want to be more affirming as people of faith, because uh, there's a lot of horrible, toxic religion out there. And I believe that we have some of the antidote to that harm that's being done. And 
so how can we do this? And so, you know, they, they got on board. And so halftime, that's what I do right now. I'm able to work with churches in the Calgary area, people who are struggling in terms of their faith and their sexuality or, or their gender identity, and help sort of promote. There's so much good stuff that happens within faith communities here in Calgary, and to hopefully promote those things even more, because we can turn on the news at any point and see a minister or, you know, a fanatical person say that we're going to hell, you know, that old, that mm-hmm. old gem and <laughs> that you know, classic tune. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I wanted to, and I still get, get really passionate about putting a different story out there that I believe is true. And so I feel really lucky to get to do this work. It's not easy. Again, there's not a lot of peers I have in this work in Calgary, unfortunately. And so in a lot of ways, I sort of like, you know, you're out on the field and you look at the bench and nobody's there. So you're like, okay, I got to stay, stay out here. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's great. You know, that was a sports reference that went over my head. (laughs) I think it was baseball. I don't know. I don't know very much, (laughs) but I feel really lucky to get to do that piece of my work because I know that 10-year-old Pam, 20-year-old Pam really wondered not only about my the current reality I had at that time, but also my eternity. And when you think about, you know, even if we're not, uh, we don't come up from a religious background or we don't consider ourselves, uh, you know, a person of faith or a certain religion, which is totally fine. If there's one thing that we know that we've heard of about religion, it's the concept of eternal separation for being wrong, mm-hmm. right? And to me, that's the number one thing that is sort of forced to get to try to control people, to try to do, you know, what I call sometimes genital theology. Here's what you should do with your genitals mm-hmm. and you should not do. And we I talk think, about that a lot on this podcast. Genital yeah, theology, yeah, yeah. It's good. A, a common theme. You should call it the podcast that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think to me, putting out a different, uh, a different, you know, and I think more true because I don't think that's true at all. I don't think hell exists, but putting out something different and also claiming like to say, to take up the space to say, not only am I queer and am I proud of that? I'm also a Christian and I'm proud of that. And those two things can exist and actually you know, you know, when I came out to my parents 10 years ago, the thing I said is in an email, I didn't want to have that conversation. By the way, you can come out however you want. If what? it's a post-it note, do it, whatever you want. Snapchat it. Do anything. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I said, without my faith, my life won't be fulfilling. But without coming out and being who I am, my life will be devoid of integrity. And actually, my faith calls me to have integrity. Mm-hmm. So it goes together. You know, being queer helps me be a better person of faith and being a person of faith helps me navigate and find solace and courage in my journey as a queer person. And so if I can help other people, you know, it was 27 years that I didn't, you know, before I came out, I was married to a man for five years. You were? I was. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know. I'm so gay. You can't imagine it. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I, I did everything to not be this way. And so now, you know, doing this work, if I can shorten, if I can help shorten anybody's journey so that it's not 27 years Mm -hmm. or that they feel a little bit better about who they are or that they have a different voice in their ear other than uh, a horrible preacher or parents who are really stuck 
and a certain way of thinking. If I can shorten that a little bit, then I hope that I'm paying forward the people who shortened my journey, even though 27 years is a long time, a lot of people still aren't out no. in whatever age they are. I mean, this idea, especially in, it feels ever, you know, ever since someone won the presidency or whatever, it seems that people are someone. really, <laughs> we we're really engaged in using social media in terms of activism. And so people are, you know, looking, you know, march, march, more marches are happening than ever and all these sort of things. But you being able to parlay your your beliefs and your religion into a salary is not common, regardless of what the what your activism is. Do you have advice for someone who sort of wants to navigate that a bit? I think right now, you know, we have to see we we don't have to, but. We're invited to, I would say, in this time and all the time. But I think right now, because there's a lot of more conversation, I guess, these days about who gets rights and who shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Right? It, it's 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 maddening even to have anybody's identity be debated, even if you're saying it's valid. So I think the opportunity that we have as activists and as people who a lot of times people who are activists hold some piece of that marginalized identity because we've had to figure out our imagination to move forward just to survive. So what I would say about that is if you're somebody who has experienced the repercussions um, of not having your rights fully, then you have a special imagination to give. You know, as queer people or as whatever group you might be a part of, uh, you have had to have an imagination to imagine a future that doesn't exist and live towards that with a kind of faith that most people would never have to have. And when you have that, it's a, it's a skill that you've had to develop over usually a long period of time. You're able to take that skill and imagine how can you capture some of that and be able to drop it into different spaces. And so when I go into spaces that are corporations or, you know, schools or other churches, you know, who are maybe struggling with what their journey looks like, I hope that I can bring forward a little bit of that imagination and spark in those people the idea that it doesn't always have to be how it's been. Mm -hmm. And whether it's on social media or in person or in a workshop or whatever that might look like, I think we have to realize that just by our lived experience, we really have something to offer. And I haven't always known what it looks like. And it, it's hard sometimes every single day, right? And to to also have to monetize it is hard. Yeah, that's when you're saying you're going to speak and things like that, how do you decide that your activism is now worth being paid for? It's a challenge every single day because I know the work is really needed and I know there's not a heck of a lot of people doing this work in Calgary or even in Alberta or even in Canada because especially talking about religion is not super popular. And so, you know, every single time I get an email or a request, I have to think, okay, I have all these skills. I have the acumen. I have the the professional experience. And yet if somebody can't afford a certain thing, I have to decide, can I do this? You know, can I still be able to meet my bills this month and do this gig uh, for what they can afford? And it's extremely difficult to make that decision. I'm sure a lot of folks feel that way because your heart is totally in it. But at the same time, you are a professional and this is your job. And this is something that, you know, you, you, you need to support your family and mm -hmm. yourself. So every day I have to think, 
can I do that or not? And I really appreciate, so for everybody out there who hires anybody for any sort, especially like to do diversity workshops or anything, tell people how what your budget is because mm-hmm. it's extremely hard to write In the first back. email that's i honestly have so much respect and i get when i hire speakers for my events and stuff like that in the first email it says how much we have and so many people are like thanks for saying that up front right like, and yeah. i've gotten better at that when i hire people i'm not always good at it but it, it really helps because then then you have something to start from and it, it might be a really worthwhile event but I don't know. Sometimes you have to choose. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know I'm not a bad person if I can't do something. But also, you know, I I try to think about that when I hire people, too, is just because they're doing something that's really good work. That's not the only payoff they should get. You know, we're told sometimes in, in the, you know, the faith world that like your treasures are in heaven. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but like my rent is here, right? So you're like, I'll, I'll get you in heaven, landlord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll get you in heaven. <laughs> we'll meet up. We'll figure it out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, they don't like that. I don't, don't know why. <laughs> um, and so do you, is there resistance to that? So when companies reach out to you or churches or schools or whatever and say, hey, like, I like your message. I'd like for you to come and you say, I need to get paid. What do you deal with that? How do you deal with the ones who push back a bit? Well, I, I will say to a lot of people's credit, sometimes I write back and I say, this is what I normally charge. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're worth much more than that. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I should have said more. I know. Um, that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of people are really good about it because they understand the specialty work of it. I think there is some pushback because, you know, they often when it has to do with like, you know, churchy stuff or churches hiring sometimes. Again, because it's good work and we're used to not paying uh, faith leaders very well anyway, sometimes they're surprised because they're like, well, we're asking you to do this thing that that maybe is a really hard conversation for us to have. And aren't we being really good right now by wanting to have this conversation? And so shouldn't you honor that by coming in and doing this for free? Right. Yeah. And what I would say is you need to invest in your values. And so if you say you want to be more diverse, if you say you want to be more inclusive of the queer community, if you say all of those things, it it's it's awesome. But to really honor that and you're actually asking a person with lived experience to come in and re-traumatize themselves by telling their story, then you have to invest in it with money. Mm -hmm. Right. Just as you would your communications, your marketing, other preachers coming in to talk, you wouldn't expect all of that to happen for free. So, you know, again, we're professionals and I'm going to try to bring my A game again. Oh, no another sports reference there you go i'm gonna try to bring my best (laughs) into the conversation (laughs) and help spark some dialogue that i hope is way longer lasting than than whatever my time there is and so you know i would say to those folks like i understand that it, it might be hard to get funding from whatever organization you're within but at the same time if you really want people who can speak to this and who have done this work for a long time i've been doing this for over you know basically since the moment i came out i started mm-hmm. doing ag- advocacy around it um it's worth it it's yeah. really worth it and i think sometimes when people have been they said, okay, we can kind of do this amount. And I've come, they said, okay, we understand now why this is better than just watching a video yeah. or better than somebody who once heard somebody talk about it, giving us, yeah. you know, this information. Yeah. So uh, wrapping up a bit here, but we, you, we talked about how hard it is to try to sometimes convince people to pay you and all these things you have to navigate. I mean, you were, you had a day job, you were at a church and that was your job. And do you regret making this transition to then sort of venturing out on your own and then having to convince people to pay you and having that fear 
not having a roof over your head or food on your plate, like that's a big that's a big risk. And now that you've been doing it for a little while, what do you think about it? I think it's been completely worth it. I mean, there are moments when that security, that that sureness that every month you're going to get X amount and you know how to plan from that is really tempting. And it feels like, oh, you know, can I really do this? But I think the beauty of at least right now, you know, knock on wood, uh, you know, what I get to do is it means I'm able to meet people's needs that I couldn't have uh, predicted. Right. And it means I can go to Red Deer, to Toronto, to all of all these different places if there is a need and, and if there's a desire. And I knew that I, the reason that I made that change at that moment is because I realized that I had kind of done my work in that and I wanted to be able to be available on a broader scale. And so, yes, the security, I miss that element of it, but I really sort of made the decision really in faith, not really knowing if it would work out. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really. Uh, again, I had to have an imagination about what might be possible. And so for me so far, you know, I think it's absolutely worth it because I think we need more people who are specialists and often you can't find those jobs. Uh, People want generalists. And so I think specialists, especially in in activism, get a lot of shit done Mm -hmm. because they know what they're doing. And, you know, I don't know how to advocate for the SPCA, for example, but I know how to advocate in some ways for my community and the things that that I've, you know, had a lot of experience with. And, you know, and in going forward, hopefully more people will be curious about how that might help their journey personally and in their organization in some way. So no, no real regrets. No, no, no. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for coming on. I love having you here. So interesting. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. And thanks for your activism, too. Okay, that wraps up this episode of I Quit. Thank you so much to listening. And thank you so much to our guest, Pam Rocker. If you'd like to follow Pam, you can check her out on Twitter at at RealPamRocker. If you have any questions or comments for me, my handle is at Mike's Bloggity, or you can visit our website at iquitpodcast.ca.